Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad you are here today. We welcome everyone. Uh, it's good to be in God's house with God's people today, and I uh, hope that you'll be very greatly blessed as we worship God together today. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship the Lord. Uh, first of all, let me remind you of our attendance sheets uh, this morning. I'd like to ask if, if we would uh, take that and to fill it out, check the appropriate box, and give us the information that uh, you feel comfortable sharing with us. We would certainly appreciate that. Um, as, and we need a record of all of these people here today. We've got so many. Uh, I know it's fall break, and uh, things will be back on schedule a little bit next week, I hope, anyway. Uh, but we've got a lot going on. And so if you will bear with me, I have a number of announcements that I would like to call to your attention today. First of all, we will be having a blood drive on Wednesday, this Wednesday. And uh, so if you would like to uh, give blood, if, uh, if you would like to get an appointment for that, then you can see Jika. She's holding up her sign-up sheet right there. And uh, she will be glad to sign you up to, uh, to give blood on Wednesday. That's between, what is it, two? Two and six. Two and six. Okay. Also, uh, Susie Painter will be at Third Baptist Church in Owensboro on uh, November the 5th. That's a Tuesday night. And Susie Painter, for those of you who don't know, is the new uh, executive director for Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Uh, she's, the, she's the head honcho there. And uh, this is a great opportunity for us to, to get to know her and to listen to her and to see what her vision is for Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. So let me encourage you to put that on your calendar and plan on attending. I know it's a little bit late. It's at 7.30 at night, and I have no idea why they put it so late. But I think it will be, be worthwhile for us to go and to share that time and to hear Susie Painter. Go ahead and put that on your calendar. And we'll probably will be providing some uh, uh, transportation over there, doing probably take the van and maybe some carpools and stuff like that. Also, ne- uh, next week is the birthday of uh, somebody very special to me, and I won't go into that any any further. It's in your worship folder, and we would like to ask you to uh, help celebrate that with us next Sunday afternoon between two and four. You can read it in your worship folder, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, and uh, there is a meeting this afternoon at uh, a church council meeting this afternoon at 4 o'clock. I sent emails out, but it didn't get into, into the bulletin today. There is a church council meeting at 4 o'clock today. So if you're a part of the church council, please uh, uh, make plans to be there uh, this afternoon. And one more, and then I'll be done. You were, hand, you were probably handed, I hope you were handed a sheet of paper when you came in. Uh, it says deacon expectations and qualifications. Uh, the reason you were handed that this is that we are uh, preparing to have deacon elections here in just a few weeks. And uh, so I would like to ask everyone to read these expectations and qualifications so that you'll know what you're voting for, okay, for one thing. And there's a couple of other things that I know we also recognize that that some people don't want to be even considered to be a deacon. So if you don't want to be considered uh, as a deacon uh, to be elected, please let us know in the church office by uh, October the 21st, I believe it is. Just let us know, and we'll remove your name from the, uh, from the list of, of candidates there. 
uh, or the list of nominees. And we, we will also be presenting, the deacons are presenting a uh, proposal at business meeting on Wednesday to change the way we select our deacons. It's kind of unwieldy at times. And so we'll be presenting that at business meeting on Wednesday. So if you'd like to have some input into that, please be sure to be at business meeting Wednesday night as, as we discuss that. And I told you I was going to be done, and I am. So, so let's stand up and share the love of Christ with one another and greet each other in the name of the Lord. Remain standing, sing hymn number 416, My Faith Looks Up to Thee.
Please join me in our responsive reading for today titled Belief. It's printed in your worship folder and, and on the screen. We believe in God who in love has shared the earth with all people. We believe in Jesus Christ, whose resurrection gives us freedom and God. We believe in the Spirit of God, who works in and through all who seek God's will. We believe in the community of faith that is called to serve all people. We believe that in times of famine, God's people plead for food. In war, God's people demand peace. But do we believe we can do what God asks? We who have not seen villages of the earth's hungry, can we be peacemakers nonetheless? Do we really believe that one letter, one loaf of bread, one life can make a difference? Our Lord and our God, hear our prayer. Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke 17, 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Six, the Lord replied, if you had faith in the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who had just come in from the plowing of tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table, would you not rather see him him say, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later you may eat and drink. Do thank the slave for doing what's commanded. So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Before you sit down, I, it makes me a little nervous for you to sit on those chairs. <gasps> wait, wait, wait. You just turned around and sat down like they, like you thought they were going to hold you up. You think that chair's going to hold you up? Well, okay. okay, you can go ahead and sit down then. Did you guys think about whether or not that chair would hold you up when you sat down? I'm hoping this chair will hold me up. I don't know. I'm a little afraid. Do you think it will hold me up? Are you sure? How can you be sure? 
Because it's, it's held other people? Were they bigger than me? Some of them? Maybe. Okay. Okay. Yes. It did. It did hold me up. Yay. Thank you for thank you for helping me with that. Now, here's here's another question I have. I I brought these crayons with me. I love crayons. Do you love crayons? I I do love crayons. What's your favorite color? Pick your favorite one. Green. Are you sure that's green? How do you know? Because it looks green? Well, yeah, but if you wrote on this piece of paper, how would you know it would be green? Maybe there's blue on the inside of that green paper. Are you sure it's green? Well, let's test it. I, I... Guess what? It's green. Well, holy moly. Anybody else want to try? Okay. Here, since I embarrassed you so much. What's your favorite color? Red. Are you sure? It, it looks like a little purple, pinkish, reddish. Let's see. Let's see. Sure enough, it's pink. Well, you know, that's, that's just pretty cool. Okay, one more. We're going to try one more. What color? See, I would have thought orange was your favorite color. Let's see. What color is it supposed to be? Purple. <gasps> sure enough, it's purple. Oh, well, isn't that just a hoot? <laughs> that these color crayons are what they say they are. Well, hmm. Okay, I have one more. Grapes. I love grapes. Do you love grapes? I do love grapes. Mmm. <laughs> These grapes are really sweet and juicy. Take my word for it. <laughs> They're really sweet and juicy. Do you believe me? Hmm? You want to test them? Come test them. You don't have food allergies, do you? Okay. Anybody else want to test next sure that I'm that I'm right? You can have two or three, however many you want. Okay. You want? Okay. Am I right? Are they sweet and juicy? Yes. Cool. Cool. No food allergies, right? I don't have to. I don't want to have to break out the EpiPen. Are they sweet and juicy? Well, now, okay. So what's my whole thing with this? When you sat down in that chair, how did you know it would hold you up? Because you talked to me about it before I sat down in this chair. What did you say? Other people have sat in it, and it held them up. So by experience, I knew that, that it would be okay that I could have faith that this thing would hold me up, right? Okay. Well, what about these colored crayons? How did we know that they would come out the way they said they were? Because we trust somebody to tell us, right? 
we trust them and we have faith in them to not fib and tell us that they're different colors. Now, how about these grapes? Did I tell you the right thing? Were they sweet and juicy? I tasted it first, and then I handed it out to you. You know, our faith in God is a whole lot like sitting in chairs and colored crayons and grapes. Um, Because other people have gone before us and, and showed us the way. And other people have had faith in God and can tell us it's okay if you... If you trust God for that, because I trusted God for that and God came through for me. Um, it's okay to, to open our Bibles and read what's in there and trust what's in there. Just like the color crayons, when we open the Bible, we know that what's in there really is true. Um, it really is the Word of God. It really is God's instructions for us. Um, and we can trust when we experience it ourselves, that it's God being in there. We can have faith that God is always going to be there. So, we, if we have faith that God is always going to be there, if we have faith and can trust the other people who say that God has done stuff for them, then we can do some big things. Because God is going to ask you guys to do some pretty big things in your life. Um, And you can trust that God is going to be there. And that when God asks you to do those pretty big things, that, that it's going to be okay. You can have faith that God's going to be right there with you. God may ask one of you all to be a doctor. That's a pretty big thing. God may ask one of y'all to be a teacher. That is a really big thing. God is going to say, I work at the hospital. That was a big thing for God to ask me to work in the hospital. Um, God could ask you all to be moms. That's huge. It's a huge thing to be a mom. But to know that when you have faith in God, God can ask you to do some pretty big things. And God will go with you as you, as you do, do those big things. If you have faith in God, you can get those things done. Okay? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for always being here. We thank you for always going with us. We thank you that we can always depend on you to lead us, even when you ask us to do some pretty big things. You are always there to make sure that we get it done. Thanks, God, for being such a big God. And thank you for letting us help you. Thank you, most of all, God, for loving us in such a big way. And God, just so you know, we love you too. Amen. And it goes to children's song.
with me, please? Ever faithful God, we long to be faithful givers, molding ourselves on you, remembering everything comes from you. May your spirit of abundance, which gives more than we ask or imagine, grace these gifts for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Adrian Plass authored a book that he calls his Sacred Diary. And in this book, he tells about how he bought another book at one time on faith. 
that told him that real Christians should be able to move mountains by faith. So he decided to try it. He practiced with a paperclip. He put it on his desk and he looked at it and he stared at it and he willed it to move. But unfortunately, nothing happened. He tried commanding it in a loud voice. Still, nothing happened. He tried it again the next day, and the paperclip still didn't move. He even promised God that he would change his life if if the clip would move just a little bit. Still, nothing. So a few days later, he got up early in the morning to have one last go at the paperclip. He stared at it. He concentrated as hard as he could, and he ended up hissing loudly at the paperclip. But nothing worked. It seemed that he was a failure in faith. How in the world would he ever be able to move a mountain if he couldn't even move a paperclip? And so finally he gave up. He opened the door to his study and found his wife and his son were standing outside the door listening and looking quite distressed. And his wife said, darling, why didn't you just tell that paper clip that you'd straighten it out forevermore if it doesn't get its act together? You know, people are amazing, aren't they? Someone needs to explain to this dear brother that there is a difference between faith and telekinesis. You ever heard that word telekinesis? You know what that, you know what that means? Telekinesis is the alleged ability to move and to bend objects with your mind. It's a, it's a favorite tool of would-be psychics and mediums and things like that. But most examples of telekinesis have been exposed as mere parlor tricks or, or illusions. So you see, there's a difference between telekinesis and faith. But where did this idea come from that if you have enough faith, you can move a mountain? Well, interestingly enough, it comes from Jesus. We find it just after the strange little story of Jesus cursing a fig tree. Matthew tells us that that early in the morning Jesus was on his way back to the city and he was hungry. But there was no fast food place where he could stop in for a bite, so... But seeing a fig tree by the, by the road there, he went up to it, hoping to find some figs, but there was nothing on it except for leaves. And so he said to the fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Well, when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did that fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. And Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, Not only can you do what was done to this fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. Hey, why settle for a paperclip when you can move a mountain? But folks, we need to realize that sometimes Jesus spoke metaphorically. This was Jesus' way of saying that with faith, You can do amazing things. And, of course, the disciples saw Jesus do some amazing things in his life and his ministry. 
And now he was instructing them in the things that he needed them to do after he was gone. But this worried the disciples. How could they possibly do any of the things that he was telling them to do? Maybe he had the faith to move mountains, but they didn't. They were still spiritual infants. They couldn't even move a paperclip, much less a a mountain. And so in in Luke's gospel, we, we read that the apostles came to the master and they said, increase our faith. Increase our faith. It almost sounds like a a desperate plea, doesn't it? Lord, you're, you're asking us to do such huge things. You're asking us to love people that we would normally hate. You're asking us to forgive people who have hurt us time and time again. You're asking us to feed the hungry and to work for justice. Jesus, we're not you. How can we move all of these mountains when we don't even have a thimble full of faith? And here's what Jesus said. If you have faith as small as a tiny mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, what did Jesus mean when he was talking about faith as small as a mustard seed? Well, the mustard seed was known for its small size, yet it grew to be one of the largest bushes in the area. Now, picture this mustard seed. We have a picture up there of the mustard seed in someone's hand. You have that mustard seed lying in your hand. It's very small. It's tiny, and yet the potential for growth is amazing. And Jesus was saying, that's what faith is like. That's what faith is like. It doesn't require a whole lot, just a little bit. And the results of that tiny bit of faith can be amazing. So what is this faith that has so much power? Well, someone has defined faith as believing the dentist when he says it's not going to hurt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess that's true, but, but the faith of, of Jesus was that Jesus was talking about is, is so much more than that. G.P. Stife once said that faith is like a toothbrush. Everyone should have one and use it regularly, but shouldn't try to use someone else's. <laughs> That's kind of a yucky analogy, but there's a lot of truth there as well. But really, what is faith? Is it an attitude? Is it the same thing as positive thinking? Well, attitude is important, and our attitudes can change our perception of reality and and can help us to deal uh, deal with reality more effectively. For example, by changing our attitude, we we can change our level of confidence, and that can steady us when we're facing a, a difficult situation. Coaches know that. You know, ask a coach, and they'll tell you about that. Coach Jim Valvano was seeking to lead the uh, North Carolina State basketball team to the 1983 ACC championship. And at the time, freshman Lorenzo Charles was going to the free throw line in, in the closing seconds of the game, so Valvano called a timeout. 
And he said to his team, after Lorenzo hits these two free throws, I want us to guard the inbound pass. And then the team broke from the huddle, walked towards the free throw lane. And at the last second, Coach Valvano pulled Sidney Lowe to the side and, and whispered, if Lorenzo misses these two shots, and he proceeded to tell him what to do in that case. It was clear that Valvano did not want to plant the idea in Lorenzo's head that he might miss, even though he was only a 67% shooter. He knew that this freshman needed a, a shot of confidence, and so he said, after Lorenzo hits these shots, not if he hits the shots. Well, Lorenzo missed the first shot. It wasn't even close. It didn't even hit the rim. But the second shot fell through the net. NC State went on to win the game and went on to win the championship. Maybe his coach's positive attitude helped Lorenzo at that critical moment. I don't know. Studies have shown that attitudes are, are powerful things and can even be life-changing. I, I heard about a, a man who, who walked with a cane. He always had a wooden cane with him and walked everywhere he went with his cane. And, and some of his mischievous friends snuck the cane away from him one day and cut about a quarter of an inch off of the bottom of the cane. And when the man didn't seem to notice, they kept doing it. Every few days, they'd get his cane and cut another quarter of an inch off of the bottom of the cane. And then this went on for a number of days. And, and then finally, they, they saw him and noticed that he was kind of restless, and he, he, he finally got up the courage to say, you guys may think I'm crazy, but I think I'm getting taller. Well, he wasn't getting taller. His cane was getting shorter. His, his perception had been changed, but his reality was the same. But folks, let me tell you something. Jesus was talking about something that was much more powerful than just a, an attitude change. Even though having a change in attitude is an important part of authentic faith. Pastor Lee Barstow tells a wonderful story about a man who was driving home from work late one afternoon, and he came over the crest of a hill, and he beheld the most beautiful sunset that he had ever seen in his life. He was so moved that by the sight of this sunset that he pulled over to the side of the road. There was a little pull-off area there. He pulled over, got out of his car, and sat on the hood of his car to take it all in. Well, a couple of minutes later, another driver came over that hill, and he was so captivated by the sunset that he also stopped his car to, to sit and to drink in all of this beauty. And one man said to the other that the sight was amazing, and the other man agreed, and they sat there for a few minutes in, in, in rapturous wonder. And then one of the men said, this is happening because the sun is low. And the light has to make its way through more atmosphere. And as it does, it refracts into colors, kind of like a, a rainbow. And the first man was annoyed by the second man's exp explanation. He said, actually, it's not a refraction. The water droplets in the air act like prisms, and this is what causes the colors. Uh, and the other man said, but I read about this in National Geographic. And they called it refraction. And this article said that atmosphere acts like a, a colored filter co uh, covering a stage light in the theater. And they went on like this for, for several minutes here. And by the time they looked up again, the glory of the sunset was gone. 
Pastor Barstow said, I wonder how different that story would have been if the two had avoided talking about the external facts about rainbows and refraction and instead just focused on their own internal experience. Imagine the first man saying, boy, I really needed this. I had an awful day at work, and this is reminding me that there's more to life than that argument that I had with my coworker. Yeah, the second man might say, I wasn't looking forward to going home tonight, and that sunset made me think of an amazing sunset that my wife and I saw on our honeymoon, and now I'm looking forward to telling her about it. They could have turned to watch the sunset slowly fade and leave each other with fond goodbyes. In Pastor Barstow's two scenarios, we have the same sunset. But the first one leads to disagreement. And the second one leads to positive feelings and perhaps some positive changes in life. So yes, my friends, positive attitudes are important. But here's the question. What is it that makes positive attitudes sustainable? What enables us to have those positive attitudes and to continue to have those positive attitudes even when things aren't going so great? Well, here it is. Positive attitudes ultimately are the result of a confidence that comes from one source. Being grounded in faith that the universe is a friendly place because behind this universe there is a a loving God. In the book titled 450 Stories of Life, Gus Anderson tells about visiting visiting a church in a farming community where there had been eight years of drought. Eight years of drought. The farmers were deep in debt. Their situation looked hopeless. But in spite of their poverty, many of them continued to meet together to worship and to praise God. And Anderson said he was especially impressed by one man dressed in his overalls and an old coat, the best clothes that he had. And this man stood up and he quoted Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. With deep meaning, he recited these words. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no food, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. In the God of my salvation. My friends, that dear saint had found the secret of real joy. You see, joy does not come simply from a positive attitude. A positive attitude cannot be sustained through endless years of poor crops. But folks, listen to this. Faith in a loving God is reality. If we are grounded in the knowledge that regardless of what our circumstances may be, God will not forget us nor forsake us. If we can be grounded in that faith, 
We can endure any hardship and overcome any obstacle put in our way. And should we feel called by God to turn the world upside down? Then we will discover what real faith and real power is. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man who turned this world upside down. And he understood what faith really was. In his last address before his death, he issued this triumphant statement of faith. He said, I have seen the promised land, and I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not afraid of any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I have a dream this afternoon and that the brotherhood of man will become a reality. With this faith, I will go out and carve a tunnel of hope from a mountain of despair. With this faith, we will be able to achieve this new day When all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing with the Negroes in the spiritual of old, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Now I look around and I see the age of some of these folks here. And I know that some of you remember those days of segregation. And you know what an enormous mountain that was. But folks, let me tell you something. Dr. King and other civil rights workers did not think that mountain out of existence. They prayed it out of existence. They were able to move that huge mountain only because of their faith in God and not because of their faith in themselves. Jesus wanted his disciples to have that kind of faith. He wanted them to understand that faith is a powerful force. But they felt that their faith was too weak. And so Jesus reassured them that they did have enough faith. They simply needed to put that faith into action and trust God. My friends, faith has nothing to do with trying real hard to move a mountain or a mulberry push, bush or even a paper clip by sheer will. Faith is a matter of aligning our lives with purposes of, of God. So what kind of world does God want? Well, I think you know deep in your heart. God wants a world where everyone lives in peace and harmony and dignity. That's the kind of world that we will have one day. It's inevitable because, you see, God's kingdom is coming, a kingdom of justice and righteousness, a kingdom of peace and love. So if you want to see mountains moved, then line up yourself with the purposes of God. Align yourself with the purposes of God because, folks, It has nothing to do with the size of our faith. But it has everything to do with the size of our God. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, don't need to. 
if you have faith just as small as a tiny little mustard seed, then you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. In other words, you can do huge things for the sake of God with just a little faith. So how about it, folks? Could you have just a tiny bit of faith in the God of Jesus? If so, then get ready. Get ready for a miracle of God at work, changing our lives and changing our world, moving mountains as you put your faith into action and into work for God's kingdom. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn, Hark the Voice of Jesus Calling. And this is a challenge for all of us as we, as we hear the voice of God calling into our lives today. Hear, listen for Christ calling you to do great things for his kingdom. And then put that into action and watch as great things are done, amazing things are done, miraculous mountain-moving things are done for the sake of Christ. Let us sing together, 591, Hark, the Voice of Jesus Call. aware that even our little speck of faithfulness can accomplish great miracles for the sake of God's kingdom. So muster all the faith you can, put that faith to work, and watch the miracle of God's power as your faith accomplishes the work of God through God's kingdom. Amen. Amen.